Church, we're becoming hard strong. And we're in the middle of Acts. Acts is so much fun. How many of you guys have enjoyed the first season of Heartstrong? Hasn't it been incredible? Like, what a great opportunity to grow in God, to grow with each other. We'll be reading specifically today from Acts chapter 12 and kind of walking through what it is that's going on there. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. We'll be starting right in verse 1. Uh, but before we do, let's set the stage for what it is we're going to be talking about today. Where are my math people at? Anybody here love numbers? Anybody? Yeah, a couple. I love you, brave souls. You're like, I know there's not many of us, right? I know. I feel it. Where are my people that you're like, just get those numbers away from me, right? Okay, wow, not usually more brave souls who are like, yeah, that's me, I can't. I just can't with numbers. I have always loved numbers because I loved in math knowing that when the equation was put in front of me, that the answer was right there. That was like one of my favorite things. If I could figure out the formula of how to get to a specific answer, I knew it was there. And so all I needed was time. I could sit there and dig through stuff. I took physics in school, grade 11 and 12. Like, I just, I ate it up because I knew that with the formula, you could get the answer, and I love that. I love when things work like they're supposed to. Like, you know, when you're waiting at, at a stoplight, right, and the light goes green, and you're ready to go, and the person in front of you, they're not, right, and we have this beautiful thing called a horn, just to remind them, hey, just to let you know, right, or if you're traveling down the road, and you know it's a 60 or a 70, and that person in front of you is doing 40, and it's a double line, and you got the kids in the back seat, you're like, I can't pass, they're like, why are you passing, and you're explaining, you just use it as an educational opportunity, right, to try to help them understand that one day when you're driving, please drive the speed limit, there's something about procedure. There's something about formula. There's something about us wanting to know if we put these things together that we're going to arrive at a desired result. Or if we function within the rules that are set out that we will come to the designated outcome. Something about us that loves that. We've built it into our society. We've built it into our culture. We know that there are certain things that should just work. If you follow the ingredients to a cake, you shouldn't come out with bananas, right? You should have a cake. Now, if you add salt instead of sugar, that's on you, right? But it should at least resemble a cake. There's something about formulas that bring us the sense of peace, this understanding that, okay, if I understand the formula, if I understand the procedure, I can get to the re desired result. The difficulty with that is it's actually not a one-for-one -one principle that you can apply to Christianity. Amen? It's actually not a one-to-one -one result that you can actually apply to Christianity because sometimes there is moments, just moments, in our lives where God will work in mysterious ways. Some of those mysterious ways are those awe-inspiring, miraculous moments where God steps in in a way that you can't possibly imagine. Some of those mysterious ways are the other side of the coin, where God doesn't seem to show up at all. But I read my scripture. 
But I prayed my prayer. I've been going to church on Sunday. Where is God in the middle of it? And so today, we want to talk and discuss why following Jesus is always better than creating formulas. We want to talk and discuss why following Jesus is always better than creating formulas. In Acts chapter 12, we come upon a scene where the, the Christians, uh, the followers of the way, are finding themselves under heavy persecution. In this particular uh, set of verses, that Herod the king of the time was being particularly violent in his persecution towards the new church, the, this group of Jewish and Gentile people that were forming and becoming known as the way. Acts 12 sets their scene for what it is that was taking place. Let's read it together. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. So we come into the story of the birth of the church. Things are beginning to move. The disciples have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the church is growing. Growing to the point that one of the main Pharisees of the time, Saul of Tarsus, he has been radically transformed and is now engaged in this mission on behalf of Christ. Many of the disciples who follow Jesus are unsure about what it is that's going on here, but they are fervent in their discipline and they are fervent in their message of the gospel. No longer do we find the disciples in the same place that we found them in the gospels. These are men and women who are transformed by the changing power of the Holy Spirit. They are defiant when it comes to Roman and, 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 and pharisaical oppression. They are standing on the word of God. They have been transformed from the inside out. And here we come upon with some of uh, the most difficult oppression that they would face and, and looking in the eyes of death himself. Herod, uh, son of the great King Herod, kills James, one of the apostles. It says, by the sword. When he sees that this violent action has brought about joy, not just in his followers, but of the, Jew, of the Jewish people, he then arrests Peter with the intention of doing the same. But before Peter can be executed, he's first placed in prison. Acts chapter 12, 6 to 11 reads like this. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off of his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by, he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought instead that he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened from them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one, went along one street. And immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. I love that first verse. 
describes the situation that Peter finds himself in. And then it says the glory of this angel as he appears in the cell, it begins to shine so brightly and illuminate the cell. But Peter had already surrendered hope. You see that in in these verses. He wasn't awaiting some miraculous miracle. He wasn't awaiting redemption. He was so asleep that it said the angel struck him and said, hey, (laughs) get up, right? Like you just picture this guy, like he's just sitting in the chair. He's passed out. And the angel's like, hey, (laughs) wake, we got to go. And all these chains fall off. I love that Luke writes that, right? Like Luke knows Peter. You hear the recounting of, of Peter sharing this with Luke. And Luke is like, yes, you heard me right. Peter was so asleep that the angel hit him and said, get up, like, let's go. But why did Peter need that rousing? Why wasn't Peter in a place of expectancy? Well, James was an apostle too. Peter was an apostle. And James was there on Pentecost when he was filled with the Spirit. And, And Peter is also full of the Spirit. So if James was to be martyred, we get this sense that maybe Peter has accepted that as his fate as well. James was an apostle. He was full of, full of the Spirit and he was martyred. So if Peter is an apostle and he is full of the Spirit, why is he rescued at this time? Well, it seems hardly fair, doesn't it? That two individuals who seem to share so many characteristics, two individuals who actually walked in person with Jesus, they were going about the same work, they were delivering the same message. So why does the Holy Spirit intervene for Peter and not for James? This is an important part of scripture that we discussed today. There's a deep theological understanding when it comes to following Christ that we as a congregation need to hold tightly to. Beloved, I want to tell you today that regardless of the outcome of your circumstance, God is there and he is good. Regardless of the outcome of your circumstance, God is there and he is good. That's the God that we serve. Uh, Some of the beauty of of the songs that we were singing, they carried a lot of these same sentiments as we joined with God and worship. God, you are holy. God, you are worthy. It doesn't matter what it is that I see. It doesn't matter what it is that's going around. It's just who you are. And you've never failed. And you won't. This morning as we were worshiping together, I was in my own discourse with God and in the middle of, of, of just communing with him and, and, and meeting with him, he reminded me of this really cool, special thing that happens each and every time we get together. He said, I'm doing the same thing with everyone in the room. Like, that's crazy. Isn't it? Right? Like, like Paul shared that story today of this woman in prison, and she says, thank you for coming for me. But there were 90 other women in that room, and he was there for every single one of them. Come on. Come on. This morning in this room, as you are worshiping God, I mean, I, I, I was speaking to him and, and, and clarifying different things I want to talk about today. And, and right in the middle of it, he's like, I am doing the same for everyone in this room. Some of your conversations 
this morning may not have been as joy-filled as mine were. Maybe some of them were full of questions. Maybe some of them were full of asks. Maybe some of them were full of reminders to God. Hey, don't forget that you said that you would be these things. Where are you at? But beloved, he is speaking and present with all of us. That's the God that we serve. That is our Jesus. In Acts 12, 12, it says that after he was set free from this prison, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name, uh, whose other name was Mark. And many were gathered there and praying. And I've heard this particular part of scripture preached before where they say, see, the reason that Peter was set free and James wasn't set free is that when Peter was in prison, people were praying. Now, I believe that there is a lot that we can learn and there's a lot that we can understand about the importance of prayer. Amen? Church, this is a beautiful place of prayer. We have an amazing prayer team that is ready after service each and every Sunday, but also through the week to join with you in what it is that you're carrying. But it doesn't actually say in the scripture that they were specifically interceding for Peter. We see that the church is growing. We see in Acts that the church, the church is faithful. I don't know that we can simply read into these scriptures and say, oh, you see, they weren't, it doesn't say they weren't praying for James. It says that he walked into the room and the church was found to be faithful in praying. See, I actually think the excitement about that verse isn't to, that we can read a formula out of how it is that Peter achieved victory. I think the exciting thing in that verse is that immediately when Peter received victory, he went to tell the other believers of what it is that had happened. To raise the faith, right? He didn't just go home. I'm sure he was exhausted. He didn't just put himself to, in bed and curl up and get ready for the next day. No, he went and told somebody about what it is that God just did. This is the God that we serve. See, sometimes what happens is, is we see this, this, this example and, and it's not wrong to encourage people to pray. But I think that we have to be careful in these type of scriptures that we don't begin to try to create a formula so that we can get to the same victory that we read about. See, prayer is powerful. But I don't believe that that's the principle that God is trying to introduce here. I believe that the principle that we're trying to introduce is that we are simply to trust in Jesus. We are simply to trust in Jesus. Church, we need to celebrate what it is that God is doing. He is so faithful and he is moving in extraordinary ways. My prayer is, is that when we see God doing miraculous things in other people's lives, that we wouldn't then shift the focus to why he's not doing it in our own. Can we make a commitment as the people of Canada that when we see God move, that we will celebrate that we will rejoice, that we will lift up and give praise? Can we also make a commitment here in Canada that when we see people who are grieving, that we'll join them in that? 
and walk with them until God can be seen clearly again. See, there's a beautiful understanding uh, in Scripture of what it is that's happening here uh, as, as God has called us together. God was still present with James even as he was delivered to the sword. He was as present with James as he was with Peter. As the angel showed up and the chains fell off, it was the same God present in both circumstances. See, James' story of martyrdom actually carries this amazing story of faith. It's just verses before that we see that James and all the disciples were nowhere to be seen as Jesus was hanging on the cross. They had left him, they had abandoned him. But just verses later, we see James standing boldly before Herod that proclamation that his life was no longer his own and that the gospel, the understanding of who Jesus Christ is, Jesus Christ crucified and risen again, that that was worth everything. God was just as present with John. Jesus loved John just as much as he loved Peter. Hello? Their stories look different how it is that it played out, but it's the same God that's present. See, it's not the result of the formulas that we put in place that determine the greatness of the God that we serve. It is not the result of the formulas that we put in place that determine the greatness of the God that we serve. Church, you can't figure out how to pray the right prayers. I'll just be real with you. When you come to meet with me, I can't give you the 10 right words to pray. And if you repeat them over and over again, you're going to see what it is that you want to see. I can encourage you that you're not alone. I can encourage you that there are some places where it's really difficult for you to see God because you haven't engaged with your brothers and sisters who God has set up to show those particular characteristics of who he is. I can encourage you today that if you want to see the fullness of who Jesus is, he's represented in little bits and pieces of all of our story right here in this room. James' story of martyrdom is not less significant than Peter's story of freedom. James' story of martyrdom is not less significant than Peter's story of freedom. Peter knew that being set free in that moment didn't mean that he wasn't going to end up back in prison again. But he went forward and he gave testimony of how great the God that we serve, how great he truly is. And this morning, I want to encourage you. Maybe set some people free today from the weight that you've been placing on yourself when it comes to the formula of trying to achieve the favor that you're truly desiring from God. Canada Life Center, just receive his love today. He loves you. He is desperate for you. He is in this room today speaking to each and every one of us individually. And he is our guiding light. He and He alone is what we're running after. 
works, different situations that find myself in right now. And I've been challenged by God in, in, in this last couple of weeks to really lay things down once again at his feet in a new way. I don't know if you've ever been in the situation where something's been affecting you or has been brought into your life and you ask God, God, would you just take this thing from me? God, just lift this thing. Take this thing out of my life. And isn't it amazing when he steps in and miraculously it's just like, it's gone. Isn't that so good? Because God can do that, amen? But God has challenged me to begin to pray this, this way. Instead of asking him to take things from me, which can lead to a position where we start to bellow and ache of God, why haven't you? He's been challenging me to pray this way. God, this thing in my life that I'm worrying about, that I'm struggling with, in this moment, I sacrifice it to you. I place it on the altar. It's yours. It's not mine. And the next day, as my thoughts go back to that particular situation, I do it again. And I do it again. And I do it again. Because our God cares. And he is present. And he is available in this room. And it's not about knowing the right prayers or serving the right amount of hours or tithing a certain amount of money so that we can get the result in Peter that we want and not the result that we see in James. No, the desire from God is that we would be faithful. That we would see that God is good. In Acts chapter 12, 21 to 23, we see really quickly that Herod takes all of the glory onto himself and God actually strikes him down. And in the very next verse, it says, but the word of, the God, but the word of God increased and multiplied. Acts 12, 24. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Church, I believe that this is what we are called to do to live in a way where our faithfulness to God actually speaks louder than the results of our prayers. I actually believe that we're called to represent God by our faithfulness to Him, our surrender to Him, our position of placing ourselves in complete surrender to Him and that that would actually be what would communicate to those around us more so than the results of what it is that we're praying for. It is so good to give testimony and I encourage you to show from the rooftops when God steps in in the miraculous uh, and, and does the things that just inspire awe. But I also encourage you in the midst of the storm, in the middle of the struggle to not forget that God is still present. He's in the boat. He's walking on the water. He has not abandoned you. He's still God. He's still faithful. Church, we are not called to create formula. We are called to engage in following an unfailing Jesus. And so this is my encouragement for each and every one of us today before I call Paul back to the stage to close us in prayer. 
church, I encourage you to reach out to one another. This is an incredible community of believers. Like, you don't know how much we brag about you over and over and over again. My dad's coming to the second service, and he knows that he's about to step into literally the best place in Ottawa. Like, he knows. But some of you are newer to this place. Some of you haven't yet engaged. Can I encourage you to dive in? This is a place where you can find Jesus like never before. A place where you can reach out and begin to hear the stories of those who are sitting in front and behind you and begin to piece together a greater understanding of who God actually is than you'll ever achieve on your own because you are not created to walk this road by yourself. And I know that there are some prayers in this room that are just ripping some people apart. Hearts are aching today. children of God are trying to be be tore down in their seats that there's an attack coming on some of our lives. I know that some of you are are feeling tired beyond any understanding and you just can't seem uh, to find this, this breath to be able to engage with it. I know that that's present here today, but I want to encourage you, you're not alone. You're not alone. Just like God saw James in the cell, he sees you as well. And our belief is that God is going to step in in a fresh new way. That there are going to be chains over your life that are going to fall off. Maybe it's here today. God's just kind of giving you that little poke. Maybe you're sitting in that seat and you've just accepted that your story is just going to be what it's always been. And the angel of the Lord is just kind of just, hey, let's get out of here. Step out of this prison cell. Let's step into the promise that God has for you because the fact that you're here and breathing means that your story is not done yet. But the cool thing is, is that you don't have to even hear that by yourself. You can engage with the community that God has brought you into right here in this room. Maybe it's committing to actually going to youth on Friday making sure that you surround yourself with people who are going to speak life. Maybe it's coming to hear Pastor Ron deliver a new message this week on Acts. Maybe it's diving into men's group on Thursday. Maybe you're like, you know what? I just want to move some boxes. Praise God. Come on out, right? Next Sunday, we're going to be moving boxes like crazy. And the beautiful thing is, is you can find a friend there. may come to move boxes. And God may line you up with the person who's going to speak exactly what it is that you needed to hear so that maybe for the first time in a long time you can see that the angel of the Lord is actually right there in the room with you. See, we know that we are victorious, amen? Our God won't fail because the victory is already his. That has been completed. Church, you are here today and you are more than a conqueror. I I know that your circumstances may be saying different. I know that your heart may be telling you differently in this room. But please hear it this morning, not just from me, but from his word that he is calling deep to deeper. He's calling out to you to say, hey, don't give up hope yet. I have never left you and I never will. And you don't need a formula today. 
If you came here on a Sunday morning hoping that I would tell you, well, you know, pray these prayers and spin around in a circle three times and before you leave, drop some money in the offering and then you'll get your blood. That's not, it's just not how it works, amen? But I do want to encourage you that you can trust him. You can trust him. And we're going to be trusting right alongside you because you're not alone. Our God is the solid rock on which we stand. He is not the shifting sand. That is not the God that we serve. He is the solid rock on which we stand and he can be trusted for he is in his nature faithful. So if you're believing for something, I encourage you to come to the front before you leave today. Just ask our prayer team to believe with you. Don't feel like you have to pray these things on your own and don't beat yourself up if you haven't seen the results that you've been asking for God for. Today can be a key to begin to unlock it where God is saying, you've made this relationship into a formula, but I just want you to be faithful and trust that I am faithful incarnate. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God, I lift up every person in this room and online. And God, I know even during the duration of this message, God, that you've been speaking different things all throughout this room because that's who you are, God. You take the words of, uh, that come from, from your book, God. You take the words of one person who is desperate to be faithful this morning and you do the rest. And so God, in this morning, in this morning, Lord Jesus, I pray for anyone that has uh, had this understanding that, that their relationship with you is, is based off of a formula that if they just do the right things and live the right way, that they can expect the right result. God, I pray that they would simply lay down their life before you. Say, God, I'm not asking you to take this thing from me. and I'm just giving it to you. God, I give you my marriage. God, I'm not asking to change the life of my kids. I'm just giving them to you. God, you know my financial situation. I just release it to you, Lord Jesus. Whatever you want to do in that area, I'm just tired of having to carry that. So God, I place it on the altar before you. Surrender, God, my finances to you. God, I surrender, Lord Jesus, my fatigue to you. God, I surrender whatever it is that has been weighing so heavy on my heart. I'm not asking you to just take it. I'm not pleading with you. I am surrendering to you for you are faithful. And I'm going to place this thing today, God, on this altar, and I am just going to believe that you are going to take that transform it into the beauty that only your hands can touch. God, you're present in it all. You were there for James. You were there for Peter. Same God. Regardless of the results, same God. And so today, Lord Jesus, we surrender our lives once again to you. Our worries, our concerns, God, they're yours told us that your yoke is light, that it's easy. So Lord, remove the burden from your people this morning, God. May their hands be open before you as they place these things on the altar. 
God, I pray that you would surround them with community that would hold them up in the midst of the circumstances that they find themselves in, but also a community that would be ready to celebrate who it is that you truly are. Just like Peter, God, as he was set free, he went straight to the church to share the faithfulness of who you are as they prayed for their lost brother. And so, God, we love you. We're so thankful for who you are. Be with us this week, God, as we go. You are the solid rock on which our faith is built. And you never change. So we ask this in your holy name.